Father, we just love you. God, we thank you that we can come and we can declare what a beautiful, what a wonderful name, what a powerful name is the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that, God, that the words that we sang this morning would just sink deep in our hearts. God, that you were honored through our worship this morning. And Father, I pray that as we hear your words spoken to us this morning, God, that you would just speak to our hearts. And God, let us leave this place changed today because of your presence and because of you and who you are. So we love you. We give this service to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The thing that I want you to take away from our lesson this morning is nothing that matters changes. Nothing that matters changes. Now, the one thing that we know for sure is that God does not change. God is true to form with his character, his promises, and his purpose. God doesn't change. Now, right away, perhaps some of you are thinking about some places in the Bible where it appears that God changed. We know the story of the flood. When uh, God says in Genesis chapter 6, he wished he had never made man. He regretted making man. Now, what is being said there is, is that God's character, which grieves, which hurts, which uh, has righteous indignation, it had an impact in that God wished man was not so vile, so depraved. And of course, the flood happened. We also see the same thing in the book of Jonah, when we see that God was um, uh, in a state of remorse over the people of Nineveh. However, we do know that he was true to his character in that, and he's always true to his character, is that when the Ninevites repented, God received them. God doesn't change. So nothing that matters changes, okay? Now, I was laughing uh, this past uh, couple days in the news stories about iPhones and Apple Company. Now, they came out and said that it's built in the technology somehow or another that when you update, then uh, your battery life doesn't last as long. And it's purposeful on their part because they want us to buy new phones. And probably most people today have iPhones, and they've got most people in a grip, and so that's going on. But my memory took me back to the first time I personally remember phones. Now, you couldn't take your phone outside your house. You couldn't carry it with you because it was connected to a line. Now, where we lived, if the phone rang once, it wasn't for us. If it rang twice, it wasn't for us. If it rang three times, it was for us. And so we would wait for that third ring, and then we'd go answer it. I remember that you'd pick up the phone to call someone, and someone else would be on your line. And it was Ms. Ramsey or our next-door neighbor. And we'd say, Ms. Ramsey, we like to use the phone when we can. And, and I remember there were some times where she would walk across. We had carports that were adjacent. And she would walk across. you say, I'm off the phone now. All right. So you could, it was called party lines. And, and you could listen to other people's conversations. And, and a lot of stories about if you live next door to a, a nosy person that they were always checking out your phone calls. But when they, when they would lift up the receiver to listen, you'd always hear click when they would do that. So you know this on the line. So you could, you could play games with them if you wanted to. But man, what a difference there is today. What a change has happened with phones today. Most people have a phone and, and it's not uncommon. For everyone that lives in a house has their own number. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. I mean, you think about, if you'd have told me that, you know, 40 some odd years ago, I would have said, you're just nuts. There's no way in the world that you're going to 
everyone's going to have a phone and everyone's going to put that phone in their pocket and, and they're going to be able to walk around with it. Now, that was Dick Tracy stuff. And of course, now Dick Tracy phones have come real where you've got your phone and your watch. Change, change, change all around us. Now, it's, it's, it's my thought today that you can see the Lord more clearly today than ever before because if you will look beyond all the change to what has not changed. And what has not changed is God's world, God's kingdom. Nothing that changes matters. We're going to begin today a study in the life of David, and we're going to begin in First Fifteen, First First Samuel, Chapter Fifteen. Now, the nature of man has never changed. The nature of man is the same. The nature of man today, apart from Christ, apart from uh, a submission in the struggle between God and man, nothing has changed. A hundred years ago, man was the same. Two hundred years ago, man was the same. A thousand years ago, man was the same. The same things that man struggles with today, man struggled with 3,000 years ago. Man has not changed. Now, the way that manifests itself in people's lives, that's changed. Right? But the nature the heart of man is still the same. And as we study the life of David, we are going to see the nature of man as it is in conflict with the character of God. And that same collision is happening today in all of us. Okay, so let's go through 1 Samuel chapter 15. And let's look at the nature of Saul. First of all, one day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of, of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. It wasn't God's idea to have uh, kings for the nation of Israel. It was the people's idea. And it was in their rebellion and in their stubbornness that God finally said, I'll let you have it. I'll let you have your own way. And God does that all the time today. We see that in the book of Romans when it says that peoples were so gripped by their sin, they were so stubborn in their sin, so resistant to God in the struggle between man and God that God says, you want it so bad, see how it works out for you. I will grant you that. And that's always been true of his character. And so the people wanted a king so they could look like other countries. They wanted a king so that they would, as they compare themselves to other nations, they would feel good about themselves. And so God said, all right, I'll let you have it, and I'm going to give you Saul. Oh, very difficult thing. Verse 2 says, this is what the Lord of heaven, our, heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So that's the word of the Lord. Do you just kind of breathe deeply when you see that it was the Lord's command to destroy all of a nation? to completely settle accounts. Now, the Lord never ever is trying to PR so that man will have a better uh, thought about God. God's never done that. And I believe that we make a real mistake when we avoid the places that with unbelieving man, they have trouble with the thought of God. But there's no question here that he's settling accounts. He's beginning to settle accounts of all the nations that opposed Israel. Today, it's an interesting thing to me. I'm not quite sure the position that Israel has in, in world history today. But I am sure that Israel is always in the news 
Israel is always a political hot button. And, and just recently, here it is, some 3,000 years or 2,500 years after this happens in our news today, our president, Donald Trump, said that he wants to put the embassy in the capital, Jerusalem. What the capital of Israel is really matters in our world today. It's a, it's a serious issue. It's a matter. It's a matter of importance. Perhaps not in your world where you live, but it trickles down to our world. And, and whether or not we believe that Israel is God's chosen people today, if the church is a new Israel, regardless of your theology, you have to, you have to admit that there's something very significant about the nation of Israel in light of the world situation today. And so when I read these scriptures, I think about God settling accounts of every nation that opposes Israel. And I think we should pay close attention to that. We should pay close attention to that. In our country, sometimes our government is an ally of Israel, and sometimes our government is not. Is not. So it's an interesting dynamic here going on. But God is settling accounts with those countries, those nations that opposed Israel when they came out of Egypt. So Saul hears the, the command of the Lord. The command of the Lord is he's to destroy everything. So verse 4 says, So Saul mobilized his army of Tillam. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt, so the Kenites packed up and left. Okay, so God is interested only with selling the account with the Amalekites, not the Kenites. Then verse 7 says, Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites, from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Now, let's revisit the command of the Lord. The command of the Lord was destroy everything. What did Saul and his men do? Destroyed everything that didn't appeal to them. But they kept the best and King Agag for themselves. So there was only partial obedience. Partial obedience. It is in the nature of man. It is in your nature. It is in my nature, apart from Christ, that we rationalize, we explain away total obedience, and we embrace partial obedience. Partial obedience. We rationalize it. We explain it. We define it. We, we, we say, look, God, this is what I did for you. Well, God says, well, what you did for me is not total obedience. You're partial. You're just partially obedient. Now, think about all the ways today man apart from Christ is partially obedient. Think about all the ways man in Christ is partially obedient to the Lord today. And the things that we explain away, how much we've tithed in a year. That's a real struggle. That's a real struggle for man. He's always explaining away, always rationalizing that the number that was given was okay because of the circumstances and because of the situations. Our worship to God is reasoned with and rationalized. I, I can't tell you how many times in this church through the years, 
People have said to me, I, I wanted so desperately to stand up and say today, I believe, I profess, I, I wanted to just shout in that testimony. I wanted to praise the Lord in that song. That song, the Holy Spirit got all over me and spoke to me. And I wanted to, to express beyond normal my love for God. I said, well, why didn't you? And the answer is always the same. Well, I didn't want anyone to think I was nuts. I didn't want anybody around me to think I was crazy. I didn't want to draw attention to myself. I just didn't want to do that. And, and that's our nature, that even if God pounds Himself on us, that we choose how we express our obedience to Him. Partial obedience. Now, I don't know your struggle with partial obedience, but I know my struggle with partial obedience. And I believe that every single one of us in here today, we struggle with partial obedience to God. I really believe that. I think that we need to ask ourselves these hard questions. How much like Saul are we? Are we okay with partial obedience? It says in verse 10, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry I ever made Saul king. So we see that. That doesn't mean that God changes. That means that his expression of his character. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this, that he cried out to the Lord all night. Now Samuel's a man of God. Samuel is, we would say today, all in with God. Samuel understood. Samuel, Samuel's desire and motivation was to be God's instrument as a prophet in the day. And he is so grieved, he is so moved with Saul's lack of devotion to God that he's eat up on the inside and he stays up and he cries out to the Lord all night. Samuel knows how, how, uh, how this situation is not good. He knows it's a problem and he's deeply concerned. It says in verse 12, early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. So Saul not only is okay with partial obedience, Saul is building a monument to himself. That's the nature of man. Man, do you hear that all the time? We are surrounded with monument builders. We, we are surrounded with self-promoters. I, I promise you, you work with all kinds of people whose number one goal in life is that they are elevated. They are noticed. They are seen. There's a lack of humility today. There's a bunch of monument builders around us. There's people that are so egotistical and they are so driven that they're monument builders. It's all about me. It's all about me. Look at me. Love me. Desire to be with me, to, to honor me, to respect me. Tell me how smart I am. Tell me how important I am. And, and that's what we have with Saul. Saul is in disobedient to God. It's such a, an important issue. Samuel's up all night long just, just grieving over this situation. But not Saul. Saul's gone to build himself a monument. So all will know how important he is, how valuable he is. You know, when, when man is full of self, he really doesn't get it, does he? Think about the people you know that are absolutely full of themselves. They just don't get it. They don't see that they're wrong with God. They don't see that they're in the, they're in the, they're, they're in the crosshairs of God's discipline, judgment, because they're so full of themselves. They rationalize all their decisions that they make in their nature. The egotistical decisions, the selfish promotion decisions, 
the evil thoughts they have, and all that as you pull the deal, they're building a monument themselves. Verse 13, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. <laughs> now, this is, to me, this is pretty funny. Verse 14 says, Then what is all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? So here's Saul standing before Samuel and says, Bless you. Welcome. God bless you. I've, I've fulfilled all the Lord's commands. Saul is trying to spin it already. He's trying to get on the upper hand. He's trying to, 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 to be on the offense here. And, and, and Samuel says, now, if you've obeyed all the Lord's command, if you've obeyed the Lord's command at all, then why are the sheep sheeping, crying out? How come the goats are just sounding out there, goat noise? And how come the cattle are mooing? In verse 15, it's true. Stop right there. Just let this soak in for a moment. Man's nature completely revealed. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle. You got that right, Saul admits. But, listen to this. Samuel, I'm trying to think like Saul here. I know what you're thinking. I know where you're going with this, but think about what we've done here. I think that when I explain to you our decisions and, and what we've decided to do, you're really going to be happy with us. You're going you're gonna to celebrate with us. So, so check this out, Samuel. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God because we've destroyed everything else. He's caught, isn't he? Now, we've brought the best to sacrifice, but, you know, you got to, but we're doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it for the Lord. How many times have you heard people say, I believe that this uh, relationship is good because there's love? No, it's not. It's not good. They're married. It's not good at all. But we love each other, so it's got to be good. That's exactly what that Saul's doing here. It's, look, it's okay that I'm stealing this money from the company. It's okay that I'm stealing this time because the company's got so much money. No, that's stealing. That's thieving. That's thievery. <laughs> no, it's not good, but it is okay. Man has the ability to, 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 in his own eyes, in his own ways, rationalize his own sin. And, and, and that's exactly what Saul's doing here. Hey, hey, we, this is for sacrifice. This is for worship. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked? In verse 17, And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush with the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted but I did obey the Lord. Still doesn't get it. Still is set on explaining his situation. Rationalizing. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everybody else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, 
What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Well, obviously, what is more pleasing to the Lord is not offerings and sacrifices, but our obedience. You see, man is so focused on what he does, he loses track of who he is. Man is so focused on what he does, he loses track on who he is. God is okay with me because I go to church and worship and I sacrifice and I give. And, and I'm just as good as everyone else that goes to church. That is absolutely man's nature at his best there. And God's saying, but I know your heart. I know your heart. I know that it's a game for you. I know that you're about what you're most concerned with, what you do, rather than who you are. And, and, and who Saul is, is being revealed. It's being revealed. He says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering of fat of rams. He says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. No question, Saul is rebellious. No question, Saul is stubborn. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, God doesn't change. God's character doesn't change. Saul is his nature hasn't changed, but Saul spins with change within him. And because he has disobeyed God, because he has been partially obedient when he is obedient, never completely obedient, because he's always reasoning what he can get out of it, he's never completely all God's. He, he, Saul was never ever, I'm just going to do what pleases the Lord. I, I'm not concerned with other people. He never got there. He was never there. Because of that, he's removed as king. Because of that. Now, verse 24, Saul finally gets to the place where he starts to go, uh-oh, things are not looking good for me. And we see perhaps one of the top five issues man deals with in their sin. Repenting, not because you're wrong, but repenting because you got caught. That's one of the things that you can listen for with your children about when they're starting to understand that they need Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right? Is when they understand that their sin separates them from God. And one of the things that you can listen for is when they grieve over the fact that they've sinned against God more than they grieve they were caught. I mean, don't we all remember being sent to the principal's office? Maybe not everyone remembers it. I remember being sent to the principal's office. And, and I remember, clear as the bell, didn't understand it then, understand it now, that the remorse that I had was I got caught. I was only upset that I might have to stand after school, staying after school. I was upset that, that maybe I won't get to do something I want to do. But I really was never upset in the elementary and your high school. I, I was never upset uh, that I sinned or broke a law. Matter of fact, I kind of thought that's what I was all about. It's when I got caught that caused me grief. Not that I did anything. I didn't care if I hurt anybody. I didn't care if I upset anybody. I didn't care if I made anybody's day bad. I can't imagine. I, you know, I'm sure Mr. Cook is, is gone now because he was really an old guy when I was in sixth grade. And he, so he's got to be old, right? There's no way he can still be alive. I mean, don't you ever look at black and white pictures and, and see people and go, that guy, they're dead. All those people that fought in the Confederate War, they're all dead. You ever go through and point? That's kind of a warped thing I do, I guess. But just... Just upset that you were caught. Not that you had sinned against God. And that's man's nature. 
I mean, how many people, how many times have you seen this happen? You know, the man has an affair in a marriage and he's going to go to church and get everything right with God. He's going to do all the right things. His heart's not in it, though. His heart doesn't change. There's not a true devotion to the Lord. He's just trying to, he's just trying to keep his family together and he's going to do everything he can to keep it together. But as soon as it looks like the fire's off, it looks like they're going to stay together, then all of a sudden those spiritual activities, they, they just, they're gone again. Well, what happened? He never truly was God's. He was never truly devoted to God. There was never ever a connection between him and Almighty God. It, he just was sorry that he got caught. And he didn't want to lose his family. And so he just mustered up who he, what he did, and he covered up who he really is. And, and, and that example is over and over and over. And that's man's nature. That's man's nature. Are you like Saul in that regard? Is that who you are? What is the Spirit saying to you? Verse 24, then Saul admitted to Samuel, listen to this, man, this is crazy. Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. Yep, that's me. Now, when I tell you this, Samuel, you're going to understand. You're going to lighten up on me some here, Samuel, when you understand this. The Lord's going to understand when this is fully understood. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. <laughs> Man's nature. Blame other people. Blame the circumstances. Man's nature is don't take personal accountability for what we've done wrong. Blame other people. Blame the circumstances. That's what Saul does. He said, I'd have done what the Lord commanded. I'd done it all, but I was afraid of the people out there. Even though I'm king, I was afraid of the people, and, and I did what they wanted. Don't you understand that? That's where he was coming from. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Wow. And Saul still fighting that he doesn't have to come clean with who he is before Almighty God. And he didn't understand that God never changes. His character is always the same. God is always holy, forever will be holy. He has always been holy. He will by no means clear the guilty until what he has provided as the answer to man's guilt is believed in. He doesn't change. 26 says, But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command. He has rejected you as the king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else who is one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of all Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 29. Nothing that changes matter in life. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. God doesn't change, Saul. God can't be hoodwinked, Saul. You can't, you can't barter with God. You can't negotiate with God. You, you, no matter 
the reason for your partial obedience, you just can't explain away who you are before God because God knows and God doesn't change. Isn't it interesting how much like Saul we are in our sinful nature? Different aspects of it. Some rebellion, some more stubborn, explaining away, manipulating. Always has an argument that explains, you know, how things are. Always has an excuse. Always has a reason. Always has a plan to convince others that all's good. Saul was out of excuses. God had had enough. The gig was up. Then Saul pleaded again, verse 30, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Please help me keep my dignity. Please don't embarrass me. Please help me keep this Sin covered up in that man's nature. That's man's nature. It's man's nature when they have a problem. I just hope nobody finds out about it. Oh, how horrible it is when everybody finds out about it. Well, until one is willing to be okay with whoever finds out about it, they always are going to be stuck in a disobedient posture before God. It's man's nature not to come clean with his sin. It's man's nature to hide. And what a wrong choice that is when you realize that God is immutable. That means He doesn't mutate. He doesn't change. He sees all. He knows all. And we're just... We're just maybe in our own way, delaying the inevitable. The light is going to expose the darkness. And to the very end, Saul is trying to save face. Man's nature. I think when we realize man's nature, we realize our nature apart from Christ, we realize who we really are without God's intervention in our life. It helps us recognize how holy God is, how righteous God is, how right God is. So keep these three things in mind as we close today. God never changes with His promises. Never changes. All the promises He's made to us, He will keep. How do we know that? Because the glory of Israel will not lie He will not change his mind. He is not human like we understand human to be. God is not like we are. Now, we break promises, right? We're promise breakers. We're promise breakers. Most of us in our human nature are promise breakers. God never breaks a promise. Draw near to God, not to man. Worship God, not people. Worship God, not our situation. Worship God. He always keeps His promises. Second thing is, He always keeps His purpose. Man is all over the place with His purpose, but not God. And one of the things that we're going to discover about King David is, King David fulfilled God's purpose in him in his generation. And how valuable he was in that regard. God's purposes never, ever change. God is always reaching out to man. God is always trying to get man to understand that his sinful nature separates him from God. And the only the only answer he has is not through human nature, not through human effort, not through anything man could do, but only through what God himself has provided as the answer to man's predicament. His purpose is always the same. And God's character is always the same. Now, the times that we see perhaps God changes his mind, that's not God changing his character. That's God as he begins to reveal himself 
and different aspects of his character in the world, then from our perspective, there appears to be a conflict, a contradiction in God's word, but there's really, truly no contradiction. It's just us seeing a different release of his character. Sometimes it's judgment when God's had enough. Thank goodness, most of the time it's grace. Most of the time it's mercy. Most of the time in the world today, it's God waiting for man to return. God didn't judge Saul immediately. There was enough evidence, there was enough brokenness in Saul's life, enough selfishness, enough sin in his life for God to act far before he did. But God is perfect in His timing, but we can see in human history that God waits and He waits and He waits. I don't know how much longer God will wait for you, your friends, or your family members to become believers in Christ. I don't know for my family. I don't know how long He's going to wait. We don't have that information, but we do know that God never changes and He will condemn unbelief. He will condemn unbelief. He will judge unbelief. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. So with all the change in the world, maybe when you start trying to figure out in your life what hasn't changed, I think you can see the Holy Spirit making visible our Father, His Son, the Holy Spirit at work. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. Nothing that matters changes. I pray your spirit will work in our hearts Father, we reveal to us our position, our condition of heart. Will show us if we're partially obedient. Will show us, Lord, if we are self-promoters. Will show us, Lord, if we're explainers, we're reasoners, we're rationalizers. Will show us, Father, in our spirit if we struggle with the Saul-like qualities of rebellion disobedience, partial obedience, stubbornness, the fear of man. Lord, if we struggle with that sinful thing of being more concerned with what people think of us than what you think of us, Father, we pray that you'll just help us to repent. Help us, Lord, to get ready for a new year of service, of ministry, of worship, of devotion to you. Help us, Lord. By your Spirit right now, will you show us? Altars open if you want to begin anew with the Lord today. If you just want between you and the Lord, just come and kneel before him. You come now. We'll wait for you. We'll do our best not to make it awkward for you, but you have to ask yourself, is it for the Lord or for other people? Obviously, don't come as for other people. But do come. You know, don't let people hold you back as Saul would have done. Saul would have considered the crowd and responded in the way that was best for him, not concerned with what God would want. Maybe you need prayer this morning. We'll pray with you. Maybe today you need to receive Jesus, believe in him. We'll help you come to that place.
Will you just come to the altar and pray if that's what the Lord wants you to do? Father, I pray your spirit will move in each heart and your will be done. Some of us, Lord, here today are just fed up with being us. I know, Lord, I get so fed up with myself sometimes. And I'm so thankful for fresh starts, Lord. I'm so thankful that if we are faithful to confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit's at work. Lord, I know that some of us here today is we're we're struggling with the idea of being partially obedient. I'm thankful for your grace. Lord, many of your children are partially obedient, Lord. And your spirit has convicted us of that today. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. I just pray, Lord, that, that whatever repentance needs to happen, happen today. May your spirit work. Convict. We know, Lord, your Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, convicts us of our sin. Lord, perhaps we're more concerned with what people think of us rather than who we are in you, Lord. Perhaps, Father, we're just wore out from playing the game. We just want to get things settled today. Sometimes we bug God so much with what we want that he says, okay, even though it's not half good for us. Sometimes we pray to the Lord and he says no and we blame him. Sometimes we believe we know better than God knows. Sometimes we make plans without God's instructions, including sought. The Bible tells us to seek, to knock, to pursue him, the door be open. Sometimes we might just walk up to the door and we might knock lightly and we walk away believing no one's at home and that means God doesn't care because we knocked lightly man's nature is to test God God if you'll 
fix this problem in my life. I will live for you, but, but God knows our heart. He knows that that's not really true. And when God doesn't fix what we want Him to fix, we blame Him, we get mad and angry, and we turn our back on God, which is the worst thing to do. And the reason why we don't get what we want is because it's not what God desires for us. And it's our lack of faith, it's our lack of understanding that makes us mad when God doesn't give us what we want because it's not what He wants for us. Because after all, we're on our own throne. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of that, please repent today. Saul's life did not end well. And when good people just like us, when we allow the root of bitterness to take root in our lives, the result is, is painful. The result is loss of family, loss of loved ones. This holiday season, many people have been alone and the reason why they're alone is because a bitter root took hold and Satan won the victory of that life. And so there's nothing but anger, bitterness, rage. God has something far greater, better. But like Saul, not willing to come to terms with it. If that's you, repent today. Agree with God about your sin. Agree with God about your disobedience, your rebellion. Agree with God that you're a rationalizer. And come to terms with Him. Receive His grace, His mercy. Watch Him rebuild things for you. God can do far more in a split second than we can ever do in a lifetime sometimes. God's asked you to do some things. God's asked you to step up in some areas. God has called on you to be faithful where you go throughout the week. He's called you to be a witness in, in those things that He's called you to do. You have acknowledged the call, but you have not responded. You have not followed through. May this year be different. May this year be different. May this year be different. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. Ushers, let's come forward for the offering.